Good morning, everyone. I'm your host, the Azorian One, Anthony Steves, because you're watching Sunday Coffee with the Azorian One here at a Steves Manor. Happy Sunday morning, Sunday, January 27th. Um, again, you can catch everything regarding the face you're looking at right now, as well as many other beautiful, fantastic talents over at thecapelesscrusaders.com. Everything you don't need is right there at thecapelesscrusaders.com, including all of our podcasts, all of our shows, which include our flagship show, The Capeless Crusaders, which include The Dame Patrol, which include Crossover, and of course include this show here, Sunday Coffee with the Azorian One. So I want to make sure you guys knew all that, as long as if you don't do that, people forget, and you have to give them the intro or else... They don't know who you are. You guys already forgot who I am. <clears throat> um, and of course, a shout out to our sponsors, those lovely, lovely sponsors who help us out. Uh, Beard Bomb Brush, who help you out when you've got something like this on your face. And if you're watching live on Twitch, you see that I'm scratching my goatee. If you're listening on the podcast app, you're just hearing a scratching sound. Could be my goatee. Could be my arms, could be my, we all go there. Um, Beard Bomb Brush provides you with beautiful oils and brushes and combs to help tame the hairy beast on your face. And if you go there and use the promo code CAPELESS, you get 15% off your purchase. So there's that. You get that same discount when you go to our other sponsor, Critical Dice. Everything dice you need is on that site there for you. Dice itself, tables to roll your dice on, all that is there. And when you get when you get there and use the promo code Capeless, you get fifteen percent off your purchase. We're just we're, we're the king of fifteen percent, guys. That's what we do. That's what we do. We're the royalty of it. And of course, our home, Empire Comics Vault in Sacramento, California, located at eleven fifty two. Fulton Avenue, Sweet K. I remember the address. Ain't that something? I know where it is, because I drive there. But I don't pay attention to numbers and streets. I just... Memory. So, I remember that time. Sweet K. Attack 4 and Son of Mander in the chat. Thanks for coming in. Good morning, boys. I'm slightly getting some things ready here for you. I have a exciting topic. If you couldn't tell by the social media... Or by what is on my chest right now. No, not the hook. Uh, the big skull that's right there. We're going to be talking Punisher. Because I finished season two last night. I finished it. I did. And I am excited to talk about it. I'm revved up. I'm as revved up as Frank Castle in an action scene. Oh, we're so going to talk about those action scenes. I'm just saying. We're so going to talk about those. Um... Oh, those of you wondering, yes, it is Sunday coffee, which means there's breakfast being had. I have, of course, my coffee with my Marvel mug, which sadly does not have Frank Castle on it. That upsets, that upsets me. And I got a cinnamon roll, a heated cinnamon roll. One of those guys. See that? Yeah. If, if those of you listening and not watching, the type of rolls you'd find at like a S-Mart or... S-Mart doesn't sponsor us, so a grocery store. How's that? Uh, great series. Ooh, was it weighty? Oh, yeah. Um... Quick news that has happened since my last show, as I try to avoid the beach ball on my computer at the moment. It's an old knack. It's, it's, it turned 10 in November. Yeah. Yeah, it's a 10-year-old MacBook Pro with the keys that lit up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's still going. Still running Mavericks. Uh-huh. There we go. Anyway. Nope. False alarm. Beach ball again. Too many sites open. I won't comment on the sites. Don't judge me. I feel you looking at me, Manderson. I feel you looking at me. Anyway, so of course, we have the box office for the weekend. And <clears throat> number one again, it's kind of a repeat from last week except for one film. But number one was again Glass. Glass took the number one spot. I'm readjusting my microphone here. Don't mind the sounds. There you go. See how that works. Um, 
Glass is number one again for the weekend. It took in 19 million. Uh, that brings its total, including the foreign market, to, oh, excuse me, in the f- domestic, 73 million. Foreign market together, worldwide, 162 million. Cost 20 to make, so they're doing great there. Uh, second was the upside, the Kevin Hart, Brian Cranston drama. That came in with 12 million, making a total of uh, 69 million worldwide. It's made a profit. Uh, third, of course, Aquaman made 7.3 million with a total of domestic of 316 million. It has made 1.08 billion worldwide. So I guess, yeah, that's a success. Uh, the Kid Who Would Be King opened this weekend to uh, fourth place. Well, I mean, I saw that preview and that didn't look exciting at all. And rounding out the top five is, of course, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which has now made a total of $169 million in the U.S., 338 worldwide. Saw that last night, yesterday with the family. Enjoyed it immensely. The boys loved it. They would not stop thwipping. Only now is the time where they've not been thwipping. They've just now not thwipped. It's been a while. Thwipping all day long. Um, so there's your top five. The only new movie in there is The Kid Who Would Be King. Glass and the Upside came out last week. So, there's that for you. I'm going to just quickly undo this mic because I have not take the uh, I have not taken the advice of super gluing this yet, as someone in the chat told me last week. I should have. I didn't. I'm a bad, bad man. I'm a bad, bad man. So, I'm going to try to reposition this because when you're sitting on a, cl- on a couch, things slouch. That should be better. Dave Barry loves these conversations. Um, moving on from your top five for the weekend, we have Oscar nominations. That's right. There are Oscar nominations. I don't think I talked about this last weekend, uh, but I'm very excited by the Best Picture nominees, with Black Panther being in there, uh, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, and A Star is Born, and Vice are all your nominees. Right now, if I had to choose who I think is going to win... Heavy talk between Roma and Green Book. So I'm saying, I think those two, one of those two, I do want Spike Lee to take home Best Director. He's earned it. Give it to him. So there's your Oscar Best Film nominees. We've seen four, excuse me, we've seen three of the five animated films. Isle of Dogs is on HBO, so that'll be a four. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm going for Spider-Man to win. I think it's going to happen. I'm hoping for it. Um, we're going to watch Isle of Dogs on HBO, and then the other one is a one... I don't remember the title of it. There's one more that's not available to watch on TV yet. I don't think so. I'll look for it. So, um, I think best film between Roma and Green Book, but I want Spike to get best director. Been 20 years since the snub. Um... I think Bale takes Vice. Just looking at his performance, I think Bale's taken that. And actress, I know Gaga did really well. I don't think she's going to win it, though. I would say um, Glenn Close or the out of nowhere, probably Olivia Coleman from The Favorite. Be something if the Yalitza. Aparicio from Roma, if she won, that'd be something. But I think it's going to be Glenn Close or Olivia Coleman taking that. Uh, best Supporting Actress, I'm saying Regina King, just because of talk she's been getting from If Beale Street Could Talk. And I love Regina King, so I have no problem with that. And Actor in a Supporting Role, mm. I love Mahershala, but I think he's he won it two years ago for Moonlight for the same category. I would love it if he won, if Marshall won. I think it's going to go to Sam Elliott for his role in A Star is Born, mainly because of how long he's been in the business and does not have an Oscar. He's one of those actors, like Jeff Bridges. I see Sam Elliott getting it because of that, because he's been such a great actor. Those of you who can't remember who Sam Elliott is, uh, if you saw Kurt Russell's Tombstone, the Tombstone film, he was Wyatt's older brother, Virgil. Uh, He's done a mess of things. He was also in the first Incredible Hulk with Eric Bana and Jennifer Connelly. He was, he was General Ross. So Sam's a legend. He's been the voice of like, I think, 
I think it's Chevy. Chevy or Ford, he's been the voice of. I can't remember. But he's voiced those commercials. You, you, he's got a standout voice. So I think he's going to take Best Supporting Actor because of his history in the business. So, they have that. I haven't decided on screenplays yet. Um, I know Adam McKay's in there, and he won for, a star, for a, The Big Short, which I love The Big Short. It's a movie I can watch over and over again, and I'm tired of it because it feels like I'm getting a history lesson that I'm really interested in, as well as a well-done film. If you haven't watched The Big Short, go watch The Big Short before you watch Vice. Um, yes, he was General Ross. Yeah, he was the first General Ross before, uh, before Mr. Hurt took over in the MCU. So there's a few of my Oscar picks. I'll go more over them as we get closer to the Oscars. In fact, I will have a Sunday Coffee with the Azorian one on the day of the Oscars. So... Be ready for that show, because I'm going to go all out on that one, because I'm an Oscar nerd. I'm, a, I'm an award show nerd, but mainly Oscar. Boy. All right. So, with that said, it's time to go to our main topic. Our main topic being that tortured soul, the embattered veteran, the man who just can't live a normal life because fate won't allow it. I'm talking about Frank Castle, the Marine who was once part of a special ops military division, who saw some things he wished he didn't, the man who lost his family, and it changed him forever. I'm talking about Frank Castle, the Punisher. That's right. We're talking about the Punisher here. Uh, as I've said before in the past, I was always a big fan of the Thomas Jane Punisher, not the movie so much. His portrayal. With that being said, at that time, I knew very little about the Punisher. It was before the Capeless Crusaders. It was before I started writing, reading comics. It was when all I knew about superheroes was what I saw on TV or on movies. All I knew. So, as I've become more educated in that, I've learned that while I enjoyed Thomas Jane's performance, his Punisher was a little PG, even though the movie was rated R. A little PG. Didn't go the full extent that Punisher is supposed to go. Then we had that sequel, quote-unquote, with Ray Winstone as him, Pusher Warzone. I wasn't feeling that. I wasn't into that whatsoever. Didn't watch bits of it, and I'm like, all right, nah, not my thing. And then we get the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then we get the Marvel shows on Netflix, and we are introduced to the new adaptation of Frank Castle in the second season of Daredevil, portrayed by John Bernthal. John Bernthal, of course, famous for his role as Shane on The Walking Dead, has also appeared in numerous films, including uh, Snitch with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, The Wolf of Wall Street with Leo DiCaprio, um, he's, oh, and Fury with Brad Pitt and Shia LaBeouf, which is a great film. So he's been those characters there, and we get him then as the Punisher. And right off the bat, I'm going to say that Johnny Bernthal was born to play the role of Frank Castle. He nails it. He perfected it. I still love Thomas Jane, but Thomas Jane is not Frank Castle anymore. John Bernthal is Frank Castle, and heavens to Betsy, is he ever? Um, I had read a story that Frank, Frank, wow, why do you call him Frank? John was a boxer or some sort of athlete before acting, and many have said that that before taking the per, taking acting has added to that attribute of being able to show pain, anger, the raw emotion of that. In his character, which I could see that being true. Because he... You believe he's Frank Castle when you watch him. So, this time around, season two, we left off season one where Frank... His record has been expunged by the CIA because he knows too much and he could destroy them. So they crack a deal. Uh, he gets vengeance on Billy Russo, his former best friend turned enemy. Um, and one of the most beautiful moments of vengeance and payback ever on screen. That finale of season one at the carousel, the very same place where Frank's, parent, Frank's family was killed. The way he exacted revenge on Billy without killing him. 
it's funny because my wife enjoys the show, but when it gets really gruesome, violent, she has to turn away. Me, on the other hand, if the gruesome violence is happening to a person that deserves it, like a character who horrible, who, who deserves every bit of it, I take joy in watching it because I like seeing bad people get what they deserve. And when Frank Castle exacts revenge on someone who deserves it, just thumbs in the eyes and just bullets riddled and face into glass and scraping and it's gorgeous it's beautiful it's well deserved i love it and that's what frank does so he did that to billy didn't kill billy left billy in a comatose state and frank goes off to attempt to live a normal life so season two picks up Frank is roaming around the country. He's trying to avoid his past. Wait. Trying to avoid who he was. Come on, please. Voice. So, he's just, he goes off into, I believe it's Midwest. Maybe not that far, but... Far enough to be quite a bit away from New York. Local bar meets a, meets a uh, a bartender. She he she and her start a conversation. He does so when he stops some jerk from like copping a feel on her and grabbing her arm and everything, which he didn't get too violent on. Which is fantastic because one of my gripes. I get why they happen in the stories. When you have those moments where the vigilante and the superheroes have to control themselves. And when normal everyday people get in their face and act all tough. And the hero wants to do something. But they know they shouldn't. So they don't. They do it to Daredevil. They do it to Luke Cage. They do it to Jessica Jones. I get why they don't react. And they're doing the right thing. But it always pissed me off when I hear just watching the normal everyday person think they're tougher than the hero or whoever it is. The one thing I can count on with Frank is that Frank will remind them that he's the Punisher. Frank, Frank doesn't care. Frank's not here to be a good guy. Frank's here to just, you know, exact justice, extract justice, bring revenge. So when guy is like poking his chest three times, oh, Frank grabs his hand and breaks something. Beautiful. If you want a show where the comic book character will put people in their place for being old tough guy in their face Frank is the guy for you because Frank will remind them don't put your finger in my chest don't do that don't ever do it again would you like to lose your finger because I'll do it it's beautiful strikes up a conversation with the bartender things are looking great for Frank that first half of the first episode you look like we're getting a movie where Frank is literally turning into a drama piece where it's he's found happiness things are great and then this young girl Walks into the bar. She seems in trouble. Frank sees a bunch of people following her. Tries to see what's going on. And then he finds out that much more than he thought. They're trying to kill her. And Frank, of course, does what Frank does. He lays the vicious smackdown in that amazing bathroom fight. Which then turned into a barroom fight. Just, just, just the things that the in the sink and the, through the stalls and the so now Frank of course is back in it he's back on the run he's trying to protect this young girl who is being chased by some weird looking fundamentalist Christian type um, Rough Road yes Amy's nickname for him the girl's name is Amy Rough Road uh, she calls him Rough Road the bar um, by the way Amy was played by Georgia Wingham which I've never seen her before but she was great in it. Uh, Billy Russo, we'll get back to him, actually. Uh, Georgia, uh, Georgia Wingham, who played Amy in the show, she played off him very well throughout the entire time, I thought. <clears throat> so, Frank's being hunted down now because he's protecting her by this Christian fundamentalist type, type named David, played by Ibon Moss Bachrach. Which he did, he did a great job. Silent evil is what he was to me. Just quiet evil. 
but he's a Christian fundamentalist type, but he's also a hired gun, and it's featuring this this um, this sect of a religious cult that also controls stuff politically and has connections to organizations. Um, and he's the hired gun for them. And he's going after Frank and Amy. Meanwhile, while this is happening, we get insight on Billy Russo's life. And Billy Russo is trying to be talked back to health by his therapist. Billy has forgotten everything that happened in season one. In his mind, he, Frank, and their buddy Curtis are still best friends friends from the Marine Corps. Still, still buds, still pals. He's forgotten everything that he did. He's, he's unaware that he killed Frank's family. Unaware that he screwed everyone over to get rich. This has totally left him, he doesn't know. And his face, of course, is permanently scarred now because of what Frank did to him. Uh, ben Barnes, who plays Billy Russo, just phenomenal job. The guy is a great villain. Well, just, just makes you feel his pain even though you hate him. There are moments you feel for him because you start to find out, you start to wonder if he's playing a game that he doesn't remember or if he actually doesn't remember. And it was extremely well done in that area. Um, oh yeah, the, the delivery between uh, between Frank and Amy, John and, and Georgia, they were phenomenal together. Their charisma together was fantastic. No question there. Um, you have the introduction of a Floriana Lima, who plays Krista Dumont, the therapist for Billy. Uh, and, of course, something happens there because she believes in him. She believes he can be redeemed. They're both broken people, we come to find out. Again, this is a spoiler show, so I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spoil everything, but there's going to be things I'm going to tell you that if you haven't gone far enough, you're going to be spoiled. I apologize. Maybe not everything, but quite a few. Um... I'm trying to remember the name of the gentleman who played the leaders of the Christian cult. Yes, there he is. Corbin Burnson plays Anderson Schultz. He is the main patriarch of this Christian fundamentalist group who puts David, the hitman, into play. Corbin Burnson is a legend in television. He was one of the main characters in L.A. Law. Like, he was a prime actor in, like, late 80s, early 90s, in late 80s and 90s. Um, he was the bad boy on L.A. Law, from what I remember. What's funny about that is Corbin's gone into directing, and he's done some, like, Christian-themed films. He became kind of a born-again Christian after his dad died. Not extreme Kurt Cameron, born-again Christian, but born-again Christian. Um, and he... It's funny because I'm used to like the actors who are the born again Christian pro Christianity films never take negative roles. Corbin is not that one. And this isn't the first time he's done this. Before this, he was in the show American Gods, which is totally a show that, you know, pokes fun or critiques or satirizes the gods we created and the gods we have today. So he's one of those. So he's a Christian, but he's like, yeah. I'll play a bad Christian. Give me a paycheck. Whatever. I'll play a bad Christian. And he's a bad Christian in this one. He's a very bad Christian in this one. And his wife is played by... I want to find her name. I know exactly who she is. I just want to find her name. Yes, there we go. His wife, Elisa Schultz, is played by Annette O'Toole. Those of you who have been watching superhero films as long as I have, Annette O'Toole is part of the Christopher Reeve Superman series. She was Lana. Grown-up Lana in Superman 3. The one where he fights the robot machine and Richard Pryor's in there with him and he goes back to Smallville for his high school reunion. She's Lana. Annette O'Toole is the Christian fundamentalist patriarch's wife who's also phenomenally evil. Well done by her. Those two together were fantastic, hidden, evil characters, in my opinion. So, as we go on... um, Frank is protecting Amy while discovering that um, special agent Madani, played by Amber Rose Reva from last season, she's fantastic, she needs Frank's assistance because Billy has broken out. Billy has escaped. Billy's gone. He's roaming free on the streets. His mind is still warped. 
he has this nightmare of this huge skull causing him pain and the glass shattering. So when he sees this, this is what he's afraid of. Billy is scared to death of the Punisher skull, which I love. Beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Um, boys. He eventually uh, finds his therapist, Dumont. She keeps him quiet, keeps, her to pl- keeps him at her place, and they strike up a relationship. It's hot and heavy. Madani finds Frank, brings him to New York because she wants help taking Billy down. Now, the characters in this are so torn. Madani is torn between being the officer of the law and wanting Billy Russo dead. There's this entire conversation about how all the people that Frank has killed, and he didn't kill Billy. And his buddy Curtis, played by J- Jason R. Moore, he... Excuse me, the way they portrayed his vision. Yes, they did. Outstanding the way they portrayed Billy Russo. Um, Curtis, played by Jason R. Moore, brings up how Frank's whole purpose for keeping Billy alive was to make him live with what he did and live with what he looks like now. The damage that Frank did to his face. The problem is, Billy can't remember any of that. So it's ironic that Frank left him alive to live with the torture, but it backfired because Billy doesn't remember any of that stuff. He thinks they're still best friends. Ironic how that, the one time Frank doesn't kill, you know, does, you know, lets them live, it actually doesn't work out for him. Because Billy breaks out and Billy doesn't remember any of what he did. So there's no pain he's living with besides this scary skull in his memory and what he's supposed to be. Eventually, of course, things come to a head in New York City. Um, Frank and Curtis are trying to kill Billy because they want to end him. They want to end him once and for all. Madonna is torn about it because of the whole law revenge thing. Um, yes. And of course, you got the hitman, David, coming after Frank and Amy. As you just brought up in the chat. As you just brought up in the chat. What I love about the Punisher series is not just that it's an action vengeance series with a very engaging main character. It's the way they portray... One moment, please. Go sit down. Sit down. The way they portray their broken characters. Sit down. Um, PTSD plays a part for our characters, for Frank. It's not something they just gloss over. It's something that plays a part in what is happening to them. It's a central focus aside from, you know, the main story of it. Oh God, yes. So multifaceted. Um, Frank is still tortured by what happened to his family. He's tortured about what his best friend became. Billy is tortured by this scary skull in his mind and now not understanding why his best friend is trying to kill him. Got all that playing at once. You have Madani who wrestling with the fact that Billy tried to kill her, shot her in the head. And she wants vengeance, but she's wearing a badge. She's battling this. Amy has had to live with the fact that this information she knows about a certain character is why her friends are dead and why this preacher-looking right-wing fundamentalist is going after her, trying to kill her with his militia or what have you. The fundamentalist, the Christian fundamentalist, he's had a broken background. You, you see at one point that there are former tattoos that have been removed. and that He was something different. Now, he's battling with having some issues with his family, wife in particular. There was lots of character depth in this series. It wasn't just a shoot him up, bang, bang, go get him, that's it. Which is great when it comes to Punisher. But you need to have those elements to give us a reason why we're going after these people. What drives Frank? Frank believes this is what he's meant to do. 
he believes he's simply a weapon. He's not someone who can go have a family, live the good life up in the hills with the white picket fence, what have you. Frank doesn't believe he can have that. Frank believes that this skull is what he is. This is what he's meant to be, nothing more. That he can't have anything else. Because when he tries to have anything else, the person he cares about, or the people he cares about, end up taking the fall. Um, you all, let me check out the little chat discussions here. Oh, there's no one. Can't remember. Yes, exactly. He, Billy knows that he he's being told he did some bad things. He just doesn't remember doing it. And when he finds out that he killed Frank's family, he initially doesn't believe he did it. He can't believe he did it. And then, the way his mind works, he still thinks that it was, um, there was no honor in what Frank did as a result of what Billy did to him. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Billy. You're lucky Frank let you live. But other than that, I did the exact same stuff. I'm not going to lie. My, if that happened to me and I found Billy and I was in Frank's shoes. Oh, yeah. Same exact thing. Face across the glass. Beautiful. Whether I let him live or not, I don't know about that one. Um, but that's what I loved so much about both seasons of The Punisher, is that it wasn't just action. You have these underlying elements that are fueling our characters. Um, exactly. Exactly. It was as much his family as it was Frank. <clears throat> um, also, the father-daughter bond that develops between Frank and Amy. Um, now, of course, father-daughter father in a Punisher sense, because you're not going to get a full house Danny Tanner talking to DJ here. It's Frank Castle and Amy. But you get this connection with them uh, when she asks about how old his daughter would be, that she'd be 15, and the things she'd be doing now, and how Frank reminisces on that. The way he teaches her things. He teaches her things in a, in a roughneck style, but in a loving rough, roughneck style. Like an like a old man from the 50s, minus you know, the belt and all that. Um, you, Rugo got bored watching Punisher. There's a... I was going to say there's a door, but I'm not going to say that. Enjoy the show. Keep watching me. I don't want you to leave me. <laughs> um, there was the, there's the dynamic, though, that occurs, I believe it's episode five on, where he's teaching her. He's, they're learning off of each other. They're joking around. They're getting angry with each other. Uh, he teaches her how to take a gun out of somebody's hand. He teaches her how to guard the place they're staying at. Um, of course, she's also a teenager, so she's going to be, you know, Rebellious in some cases. Um, all leading to a point in the series at the very end where you see how much the two meant to each other. And it, right now, the one thing Frank cares about is protecting her. It's the one thing he cares about. And so I love their dynamic. I love the way they work together. Um, spoiler alert. Get ready for it. Spoiler alert. Toward the end of the series, toward the end of the season, excuse me, we get a cameo from a Daredevil character. You know who it is, because she was in the first season. Karen. Karen shows up. She's in there for about one or two episodes. Uh, two episodes, excuse me, two episodes. Uh, so it was nice to see Karen back. Karen helps. Karen does play a part. Uh, you can get a Matt Murdock name drop in there. Frank is the one who says it. So there's, there's your two references of Daredevil. Oh, excuse me, three, because you, uh, Lead Detective Mahoney who's involved in this season, was involved in Daredevil season three. So we keep Mahoney in there too, since we're all, since all these guys live in New York, because that's where heroes live, is New York, right? That's it. Everyone's in New York. You guys not bump into each other more often. Um, so I enjoyed those dramatic aspects of it, the emotional aspects, the PTSD focus, uh, the military brethren focus that is heavy throughout the Punisher series. Um, I believe Frank to kill him would be a release to let him live and suffer as Frank has to, has to is the more of a punishment true yeah I agree um, now we've got that drama in there we've been focusing on the PTSD 
what these guys have gone through, both in their military past and what they've gone through currently in this series. Let's talk about the action. Whew. They, they don't hold back at all in the Punisher series. And one of the reasons why I love it so much and why it's so heavily TVMA, it's not heavy on the cussing. I don't even think you got one F word. Like they hint toward an F word, but they never actually say it, I don't think. I don't recall it. But the violence takes care of that. Um, I'm going to point out some key favorite moments of mine. Of course, the bar in the first episode. The bathroom fight that spells into the bar, the entire bar. Ooh. John Bernthal embodying him so well. The sounds he makes while he's fighting. Those grunts. Ooh. He's like a gorilla. And it's beautiful. That adds to the intimidation because you already know this guy is a trained killer. Now you deal with the fact that the more he's fighting, the more amped he gets and the more sounds he starts making. Why are you not already in your car driving away? There's no shot. You have no shot. Um, so the bar, fantastic scene. The way he tricks the militia, the Christian fundamentalist and his militia, at the hotel and then at the police small town precinct, the jailhouse. Outstanding. The, the, the hole in the wall in the apartment, the hotel room to fool them. The flanking he does when he's finally released and takes them out one by one. Oh, watch those moments over and over. Probably my favorite, my favorite of all the action scenes in the series, I believe is episode five, five or six, I can't remember right now. The gym, the Russian gym, the weightlifting room with the Russian hired muscle. Oh. You already know walking in there, if Frank is about to have a fight scene in a weight room, you can imagine right now what he could be using as weapons. That's exactly what he uses as weapons. I'm talking dumbbells. I'm talking barbells. I'm talking kettleballs. I'm talking plates. The, the, the plates you put on for the barbells. He, Oh my god. Like literally my emoji reactions was huh and huh and lots of clapping. Lots of clapping. Oh I, you just and and it's that whole and I see. It's that whole continuous thing of the bad guys thinking they've got the upper hand and that Frank has no shot. And you watch how their face changes as Frank shows that they they actually have no shot because like the, the henchman's what the lead guy is watching as his muscle-bound henchmen are getting taken down and you see his face go from <laughs> and then there's a bar pop against his neck and the whole thing with like because frank to me he's so used to being hit he's so used to being punched that one punch doesn't phase him anymore you punch him once and he grunts and doesn't fall back. It takes like four hits for him to start showing something. But he's so numb to the pain that it just fires him up. The more he bleeds, the more enraged he gets. And I love it. Because that, you know, he's taking the hits, he's taking the hits as his hand is looking for this like 15 pound plate to then smack against this guy's face repeatedly while he's looking at the other guy asking the same question and continuing to punch. Mm. Again, when it's guys who deserve it, I'm all for it. And I will sit back and enjoy every second of it. Um, so that scene was fantastic. Uh, the scene with Amy in the apartment building, when she finally has to do something that Frank taught her. While Frank's going up the stairs, taking out the henchmen that are in the way, and she does it. And uh, the part I liked there was because she, didn't, she never wanted to kill anybody. And there's a point where she has no choice but to take a gun out of a guy's hand and shoot him in the chest. Oh, yes, John's scene when he's confronted by his past group. Yes, it's a good scene as well. Excuse me, yeah, I'm sorry. I said, forgive me, I said David Lieberman earlier. Wrong character. Josh Stewart played John Pilgrim. John Pilgrim is the Christian fundamentalist. My correction. 
My apologies. Yes, John Pilgrim with his, with his former, what I have to say was a neo-Nazi white supremacist crew, the way I saw the tattoos and the way they were looking. That scene was well filmed. That was a great film scene. Um, but when Amy has to do what she was taught to do, she pulls the trigger, and the guy's on the ground, you know, screaming in agony, bleeding, and Frank comes over to console her, and she starts saying, I killed him, I killed him. And he says, no, you didn't, you shot him. Frank turns and he shoots him. He says, I killed him. As violent as that is, that was like a comforting moment for her. He did that to help her, because he saw how having a death on her conscience was affecting her. And which, her one shot, the way she shot the guy, the guy was going to bleed to death. Where she shot him, he was going to bleed to death. But he wasn't dead yet. So Frank found a way to alleviate that stress off of her by simply saying, no, you just shot him. He turns, he shoots him and says, I killed him. That's kind of the, the father-daughter aspect there in the Punisher world. He alleviated his daughter's stress by taking it on for her. Because killing bad people to Frank means nothing. He doesn't think a date too about it. Or does he, as we get later on. Um... So I li liked that so much. Uh, when Frank gets set up, without, bat yeah, without batting an eye, yes. Uh, when Frank gets set up at Billy's hideout, but then gets out of it, oh. And, and I always brought, brought up the juxtaposition between Daredevil fight scenes and Frank Castle fight scenes. They both have these intense, well-filmed fight scenes. Whereas Daredevil brings violent but non-lethal force Frank brings violent and non-lethal and it was that moment where I'm like oh my god this is, this is it it's when Frank is fighting back at the guys who jumped him and he's holding an assault rifle in his hand and it's literally punch block shooting the guy who's right there and the guy is two feet away so it's like imagine a close quarter fight scene with multiple guys and every occasion he's firing away at them right there which is Punisher style. That's, you're being true to the character. That's what he does. He doesn't care about killing bad. He doesn't care. So it's just, it was just, I, I thought it was funny how it would have been something Daredevil would have found a way to do without killing. Frank's like, no, 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 no. They're, they don't deserve living. They're done here. Yeah. Toward the end, there is a great setup that brings Frank down. I don't want to spoil that for you. I want you to see that. It's, it's something that makes Frank believe he's then bad. Um, the way they did that and the way they correct it or we find the answer is so well done because there's a moment there where you're like, oh no, Frank's gone too far. But the way they play that is fantastic. Watch it for yourself. It's so well done. I want you to react the way I did when I saw it. Jackson. Um, so I won't spoil that much. I will say... Um, if you were to ask me which season I liked more, season one or season two, man, I, I thoroughly enjoyed season two. I thoroughly did. I enjoyed it. Weaknesses here and there, of course. There were weaknesses here and there in character development in some characters. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed season two. I think I still like season one a little more than season two not because season two is bad in my opinion but because season one was so high on the charts for me um, I love that it was the more personal story for Frank it was resolving the issue with his family who was behind it that finale was fantastic in the first season um, so if I had to judge them I would say season one better but not that season two was bad. I thoroughly enjoyed season two. I enjoyed every second of it. I, I could watch Johnny Bernthal play Frank Castle for the rest of his life if they let it happen, and I'd be a happy camper. Because whoever is the poor guy who has to play Punisher after John Bernthal, good luck, man. Good luck. Because to me, John Bernthal nails it perfectly. He is Frank Castle. He is Frank. Done. Uh, Amber Rose Riva as uh, Dina Medina, fantastic. Ben Barnes as Billy Russo. Jason R. Moore as Curtis. Uh, Iban Mosbachrak as David. 
Floriana Lima as Krista, Dumont, Josh Stewart as John Pilgrim, Georgia Wingham as Amy Bendix. They were all fantastic cast, in my opinion. They did a great job playing off of each other. Um, I did forget one episode, one moment, um, the moment where Billy realizes that the scary skull belongs to Frank. It was the big shootout in New York when Frank and Curtis are chasing after Billy, trying to stop him before he does any more bad things. Um, and they're in the middle of the street, and Frank calls him out. Russo! That yell, Russo! Takes off his jacket and shows the skull. And Billy just has a meltdown in the middle of the street because he's putting two and two together. The scary skull belongs to his best friend. And he's just breaking down the middle of the street. I love every second of that scene because it shows how frightened Billy is of the Punisher skull. And just Frank, and just Frank's yell. Russo! Oh my god. So, had to throw that part in there. I forgot about that part. Uh, so, as Rue asks, the question is, will there be another Punisher once Disney gets all the rights back? You know, I don't know. I went into this knowing full well that within you know, the over-under being two weeks, that Netflix would announce that they're canceling Punisher. So I'm expecting it now. Like, I was, I was upset with Luke Cage and Iron Fist going away. Granted, we all know Iron Fist was the weakness in the Marvel shows. I did think season two was better than season one for Iron Fist, but they didn't. And then when they took out Luke, I'm like, oh, come on, Luke Cage is a good series. I really enjoyed both seasons of Luke Cage. I like the style of it. Mike Coulter's, they did great on casting for these characters. Mike Coulter was great as Luke Cage. I was upset about that. I was heartbroken at Daredevil. Especially with news coming out that Daredevil was the highest rated hero series last year. Like 83% of Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, that's what you cancel. You cancel that. Good job. Um, so now with Frank, with Punisher, I'm like waiting for it. I'm, I'm waiting for the report. I'm just waiting for the tweet that says Punisher's canceled. I don't want it to happen. I don't want it to. I want there to be more Punisher. But the way it's looking, probably going to be the same thing as the other three. So I'm waiting for it. Um... I don't want it to happen, but I won't be surprised. I'll be upset. I won't be surprised. Uh, Ruru, I think they'll wait till Jessica Jones Season 3 to come out before they announce the cancellation of all their Marvel shows. They might. They might do that. That's that's possibility. And I, I like Jessica Jones, too. So, I mean, they're cutting off some good shows. I disagree with whoever is behind it, whether it's Netflix, whether it's Marvel. I know Marvel TV and Marvel Film don't get along, which is... I can't say the word because my kids will call me out on saying it. It's unintelligent, because for as much as I enjoy the MCU and their movies and everything, I enjoy the grounded storytelling that the Marvel TV shows had. Uh, I liked their more centralized, we're fighting what's happening here in New York underground, not what's flying in from Asgard. No knock on the Marvel movies. I love the Marvel movies. I grew a Tony Stark goatee because of the Infinity War movie. I still like the TV shows for being more grounded, so that's what upsets me about it. So... You know, they'll probably wait until Jessica Jones comes out and then cancel both at the same time. I hope they don't. I hope there's a way they save it. The guys who wrote season two of Punisher have said that if they get a season three, they want to incorporate Daredevil and Kingpin, which would be cool since Punisher was introduced in Daredevil season two to have him bring Daredevil and Kingpin into season three of his show. That'd be cool. I'd love to see Murdoch and Castle team up again. That'd be great. Especially since my buddy Jay, former Marine, Oh, not, excuse me. You're never a former Marine. You're always a Marine. Jay, who is a Marine, uh, he, uh, I call him Frank. He calls me Red. So we kind of have our own little Murdoch castle thing going back and forth. He is a huge Punisher fan. Jay, if you would see this episode, this is for you. Hope you enjoy it. Since you and I text and chat about Punisher every time it's on. So this is for you, sir. Um, too much of the Kingpin overused villain. True. He is locked up, too, as of uh, Daredevil Season 3. So maybe, maybe Daredevil and... Frank go after a different villain, different type of thing, what have you. So, with that said, as you can hear in the background, the boys are getting anxious. One is standing up, reenacting the movie he's watching. So, I'm going to have to cut things off because you guys are probably tired of hearing the sound effects in the background because he doesn't stop because he's like me when I was a kid. So, with that said, that has been Sunday Coffee with the Azorian One. This was our Punisher episode. Thoroughly enjoyed season two of Punisher. If you haven't seen it, see it now. Finish it up. Enjoy the cast. John Bernthal, Punisher for Life. You are my friend Castle, sir, to the end of time. 
I am the Zorian One Anthony Steves of the Capeless Crusaders, and you can catch everything regarding the Capeless Crusaders on thecapelesscrusaders.com. There you'll find everything regarding news, blogs, our episodes, our live events, all that. Plus, you'll know when our shows take place. Yes, our shows, plural. Our flagship show, The Capeless Crusaders. Dame Patrol, The Dame Patrol in full effect. Crossover. And of course, Sunday Coffee with the Azorian one right here. So, again, our sponsors. I gotta get everything in there. I gotta get everything in here. My shows are getting longer every time. It's crazy. Our sponsors, Beard Bomb Brush. Take care of whatever it is that's growing on your face. Make it look nice and pretty and smell nice as well. Beard Bomb Brush. Use the promo code CAPELESS. 15% off of your purchase when you use the promo code CAPELESS. Critical Dice. Need some new dice? Some shiny dice? Some wooden dice? A plate of some sort to roll your dice on? Critical Dice is where you go. 15% off of your purchase when you use the promo code CAPELESS. And of course, our home base. Empire's Comics Vault in Sacramento, California, located at 1152 Fulton Avenue, Sweet K. Daddy, Hope I got the address right. Is it on the cruise? I know. The cruise goes on. So, it, on behalf of the Capos Crusaders, on behalf of Jay Lopez, who is a punisher. Yes, sir. Okay, wait, yes. On behalf of Jay Lopez, Marine. My friend, who loves the Punisher series, and will talk Punisher with me day in, day out. Sergeant Squiggles, thanks for showing up. I'm saying goodbye. Um, thank you. It's for you, Jay. Enjoy this episode. Enjoy the Punisher season two. Enjoy it for as long as we have it, with whatever Netflix and Marvel decide. Besides that, have a great Sunday. There will not be a Capeless Crusaders episode tomorrow night. Heads up. They, uh, we have some family things going on tomorrow night, so there will not be... A Capeless Crusaders episode tomorrow night. So heads up. Don't worry about tuning in tomorrow night. Watch Monday Night Raw instead or whatever it is you want to watch on Mondays. Catch up on a million little things. Or This is us. I may be talking about myself. No Capeless Crusader episode tomorrow night. So don't worry about tuning in. We'll see you next Monday. Same Capeless time. Same Capeless channel. Worked that out pretty well, I thought. So, hey... It's 925 on the West Coast. Go have a great Sunday. It's sunny here in California. Well, on this part of California. Enjoy. Have a great time. My finger's in the way because I'm going to hit the end button, okay? Have a great Sunday. Take care. And remember, enjoy your coffee.